Good morning and welcome to the Heritage Day Tech Central podcast. My name is Daniel Robus and I'll be your podcast host for today. And today I am wearing my Heritage t-shirt and the t-shirt, which is very informal for me, says, let's make the world great again. And if you know me, you know that life rocks, if you let it, is my mantra And on this time, when we remember who we are and where our roots are from, I think it's a really important time to engage and just feel for who we are and just remember those who have allowed us to be here. So it's a great privilege for me today to have Glenn Dutoy, who is the GM for Acer and Strategic Projects with us. Glenn, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for giving us some time. What are your plans for Heritage Day this coming weekend? How's it, Daniel? Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I mean, I think we do the traditional thing. I think we've got about six bras planned and there's only three days, so we're going to be quite busy. <laughs> <laughs> That's fabulous. And you obviously enjoy brying and you like to get stuff done. Are you a gas briar or a wood briar? I'm a gas briar with a little bit of additional coals underneath so we can keep okay. the smokiness going. But okay. yeah, with the amount of time we bry, I think it's just become part of our... Uh, Allowed to be fast and efficient nowadays. So how do we get the balance? Exactly, exactly. And there's no sin in how you cook as long as the people eat your food. And I think that's the ASA message as well. There's no sin in the way we are doing these things as long as we are consuming product in an educated, effective way that's leaving assets to the planet, not liabilities. I think that's the sustainability side that's coming through. And I really want to talk around today Well, actually, I was going to ask you that question. As the GM, why have you given me an hour of your day today? What is the reason why people should be listening to our discussion around Chromebook and around Chrome and where you're going? Yeah, Daniel, I think it's a lot more than just Chromebook. And why we're giving an hour of our time today is not to talk about the speeds and feeds. And I think there's a lot more. And and quite nicely, it wraps up, you know, there's a lot of common conversations to happen around heritage and heritage within the technology industry and how we've come along. Now, it's coincidental that we happen to be having this call talk today. But as we sort of talk about technology and where technology fits in and where ASA fits into the technology sphere, specifically in these areas, you've got to unpack where we've come from to where we are today. Mm. And of which Chrome and where Chrome is going to and what I believe. I mean, I get a lot of people giving me stick around Chrome because it's such a tiny portion of the market, you know. I mean, mm. and at this point in time, very slow in terms of adoption within South African market. But it's signaling a direction and the next phase. And whether it's Chrome, Microsoft, Apple, iOS, it's just signaling where the industry is going to and the role that we as vendors, as international brands play in taking and being part of the journey and what is that role that we play. So, yeah, I think invariably, why have given an hour? Well, we've got an hour to talk about the heritage of technology and where the awesome. future of technology fits, of which Chrome is part of it, and I think as is Microsoft. So let's talk around who should be paying attention right now when we're discussing what could be considered a piece of hardware. Who is the message today aimed at? It's twofold. We're not going to be talking to our industry because the industry knows a lot. Mm. I think that the message that we want to give is really to the industries and the businesses and the individual users that are one step beyond who are using the different devices within their organizations. This is to 
understand and unpack some of the knowledge as to where the industry is going to, where the knowledge is going to, and more specifically because it's an ASA conversation as well, what ASA is doing and why ASA is doing what we're doing in some of these areas. So the target market in terms of the conversation really is Joe on the street who is going to actively use it, whether you are a private user, a small business user, or potentially an enterprise, because I think from an enterprise point of view, if you're heading up a company, you're being told a specific narrative to carry across and not necessarily the bigger picture of where we should be looking long term. You know, education is a big one as well. You know, education is there. I would talk to principals of schools and people on the governing bodies in public schools because that is a key area of adoption of technology now more than ever because of what happened with COVID. And Mm. you're sitting as a group of parents with a school and going, how do I now integrate technology into the learnings? And how do I do it without being cavalier with the futures of the children that are under my care? Mm. So it's that audience. So what are the right technologies and where should we go to? Or should I say, what are some of the options of technologies Mm. rather than what is right and what is wrong? Because Mm. there's so much available. And again, whether it's Chrome, whether it's a Microsoft solution, it doesn't matter what it is. There's no more really wrong answers. It's Mm. about what is the right answer for you, Mm. for your application. Mm. So let's take it a step back. You've said the next phase from a technology perspective, and we are heralding in that next phase. We've moved the last two years from people fighting remote work, and we've been pushing for remote work from a consulting perspective, but hard industry has said no. That has now been flogged. Everyone can work from anywhere. We are now getting into applications that are running from anywhere We're even getting to the stage where people are repatriating workloads onto on-prem again, and we've almost matured this whole cycle. What is the next phase as you see it from an ASA perspective? I think we're in that next phase, as you so rightly form, and that is a settling between the debate of whether you should be working remotely or should we have everybody back in the office. And the current phase, I think, which is where we are right now is the settling down of getting an understanding of what works for us as a business, what works for me as an individual, what works for me and my team. And I think that there's a lot more that goes behind the scenes as to why that works as well, because suddenly the conversation is not only a technology conversation, it becomes a leadership conversation as well, and it becomes intertwined. And I think that as we sort of unpack where we are now, the prediction of where things are going to go to become individualized as well as to where your organization is going to become and going forward. So our role is to really empower the immediate and and empower businesses with the immediacy of what's available now, whilst being able to say and have the vision of preparing for the future. And that's what it is about. You know, we spoke uh, briefly about strategic projects and everything. And as general managers, as leaders in this organization, it doesn't matter how big your organization is, your role is not to implement the now. Your role is to look to the future and say, okay, if this happens, what then? And what does that look like in terms of your solution, your enterprise business, and how does that affect your leadership? And as you sort of go through that, how does it affect your hiring process? How does it affect what the character of the individuals are that you're looking for? What is the impact that this technology is going to have to your culture? And I think we forget that sometimes that the decisions we're making, you know, then there's no linearity in technology. Technology is no longer a linear process whereby everybody got X, Y, and Z, and this is how it worked. It's become so diverse in its applications. Let's pause there. You've gone over massive ground. I want to go back. 
you are saying enterprise IT impacts our leadership style, our culture, even our hiring. How? Let's talk about where we are from a technology base. And as I say, you know, technology is not linear. And I think that that's where in a lot of areas we have this expectation that how do we get back to normal and how do we move back to that normality? And I think we've got to go back in time a little bit because we've got to talk a little bit around about cloud computing and what it actually means. You know, technology comes and goes. You know, technology has a massive impact Mm. in everything that we do. But technology isn't permanent. It's Mm. ongoing. It's changing all the time. Mm. So as we start understanding that portion of the business, the decision as to what device is the right or what platform is the right platform becomes easier to make. So you kind of go back and we look at the speed of technology and what cloud technology brings. Now, you go and you talk to a technology firm and they'll talk about clouds and virtual data centers and on-premise and they'll talk about that. But how do we bring it down to user and understanding from a user point of view? And what does it actually mean? And cloud was first sort of came into the market. I mean, we, you know, we started seeing the adoption of cloud in its really, really infantile stages in around about 2007 with the launch of the mobile smartphone. So mobile technology existed, mobile connectivity listed, you know, existed in the 90s. But in 2007, late 2007, with the introduction of smartphones, all of a sudden, you could start engaging on multiple platforms in a multiple mobile anywhere mm-hmm. environment. And how do you get it? Because I'm transitioning between different things. And, mm-hmm. and the rules of technology sort of broke the bounds. Again, I keep saying this is, is that up until that point in time, Everything was linear. You were on a Microsoft system. You lived on Microsoft. You died on Microsoft. Your system was there. You know, if you brought a server from uh, company X, you had to buy PCs from company X because they're all intertwined and they're all fixed and there was an audit services and everything. Mm. And along comes this thing called mobile internet Mm. and cloud technology. And all of a sudden, you can take a brand A and put it Mm. with brand C in terms of enterprise. In fact, you don't even need a server from this big company. You can go and put everything into a cloud, whether it's an Amazon AWS server or Google, doesn't matter what you go. But essentially, the interface and the edging of those, the access to that has fundamentally changed. And with that came a message in and around who we are and what we're doing. Mm. And the technology has had to keep up, not Mm. with what the technologist wants, but the user wanted. Mm. And where we are now, and as we break away from this linearity, what we're now seeing, and this is our view and how Acer views us in terms of our focus on user first, is that, you know, we've gone from the straight line of almost the pyramid structure of how devices were designed. You know, at the top, the managing director got an i7 and everybody else got a a Pentium or Celeron at the Mm. entry level to breaking away from this pyramid scheme completely and moving more into like a constellation of stars. So the way that it works is this, is is that you you now have these multiple millions of applications that you can use your PC for. If I'm a creator and I'm doing design work, I don't care about Microsoft Excel or Google Mm. Sheets. Mm. I care about how am I going to get the best resolution from my PC. Mm. So the age of one size fits all has been obliterated at exponential rates. Mm. And that is where it becomes about anyone, anywhere. So anyone, whatever you're choosing, what is the right application for me as an individual? Now let's bring that back into how we deal with our staff and our leadership and our employment environment in that And what does it actually mean in terms of technology? If you don't recognize that in 2021 and the foreseeable future, that every single individual that comes into your organization has a different need, 
He's talking to a different customer. How are you going to be able to now adopt a technology that is ubiquitous across the multiple user face? And what is the correct device? Well, the answer is there's none. There's not one correct device. There's multitudes of devices. That is solid. How do I decide? That is solid. That is solid. So I've taken out here the next phase as Asa sees that is one of choice. And where does Chrome fit into that? What are we doing about these digital nomads? And how are you slotted into that user and user experience? Google's biggest focus, and Google has gotten this right from day one, I think, is, is that their focus has always been the individual. If you go back and you look at Google's, you know, their DNA, it's about the device and the inter- engagement within the user's hand. Mm. How do we engage within the user's hand? And what Google has done through Chrome in the identification of this is recognize that frontline workers, workers who do not require to do heavy lifting in terms of their technology, do not require a device that can program and run algorithms to the extent. And what they require is they require engagement and uh, access to the internet and a very light application. And I'm not talking about apps, I'm talking about user applications in their PCs. And that was really what Chrome comes in with. But there's other nuances that have to go with it, like how do we ensure that there's security? Because now you've got 15,000 individuals trampling around the countryside How do you keep your company's data protected? How do we do this? How do we do all of that? How do we get that experience that says I can transition from a mobile device to a tablet into a PC format seamlessly without having to worry about it? And and I think that this is where Google has come up with a solution that, with respect, provides a more affordable alternative to the Apple iOS type of a solution Mm. rather than an alternative to Microsoft. It is about a mobile generation. I mean, if you look at South Africa, in 2006, there were more people that were connected to the internet in South Africa via fixed lines. I mean, that's like almost a, a crazy statement to make. The introduction of smartphones, within months, there was a switch. Wow. And more people had access to the internet through smartphones than they had through fixed line. And Africa, as it is, 84% of the individuals in Africa who have access to the internet are gaining and accessing the internet through mobile devices. So we've got to understand if the world is a mobile world and if the world doesn't require a fixed line or a set structural, what is the device that goes with it? And again, that starts coming into that fit for purpose. And that is where it is. So it's about speed, it's about security, and it's about ease of use. And that's what Google, specifically in the Chrome environment, has really, really latched on. Aren't you geared towards learners and schools? I mean, you're not really geared for corporate? Perfect environment. Perfect environment. You know, again, you know, look in South Africa, 64% of the population is accessing content on their mobile devices. And of the population, the largest portion is below 20 years old or they're in that early learning phases. How are we going to reach that market? It's not going to be through a heavy using device that requires constant monitoring and constant there. It needs to have a built-in ephemerality that allows for the speed of change to be adoption. And that's why education has always been a primary focus for Google and one of our areas of strength. It's still tiny, guys. I mean, we've got to understand it's still a very, very small. Mm. But I think that what we're talking about here is the technology and the logic of the technology as to where it's taking the market to. And they provide that solution. I can access my classwork on my mobile device 
and I can also then move it straight over, but I don't have to worry about storage because everything is stored in the cloud and I can share my documents with my lecturers at a click of a button. I don't have to download and change the formats and do all Mm. of that. You know, that movement and that ease of use allows a learner who is potentially sitting in a hostel somewhere or in a home in Houghton, it doesn't matter, but it democratizes the learning process to a level that we haven't been able to see. So again, you know, I think where Google's strength in education is, is Mm. the recognition that always on learning or always learning or always available learning means mobile. How do I learn on the go? How do I work on the go? And that's where the foundry or the foundation technology really sat. And now they're sort of expanding on this into the enterprise market. How would you appeal to me? I'm not doing the heavy lifting. This is what I do for a living. I'm talking and coaching and moving businesses forward. Where do I fit in? Why am I not one of your customers? No, you definitely are. And I would liken it to a race. I would say to you, if you're a marathon runner, do you run it in boots or do you run it in a fit for purpose tackies? And that's exactly it. You know, how do you do it? Is what are you looking for? And this is quite key because, you know, I think the fundamental of where ACE is, and again, Chrome fits in as one of our solutions, is ensuring that from a user first principle is what is fit for purpose? How do we get that to there? You know, education, you mentioned education. And whether I look across Microsoft or the Chrome side of the business, you know, there's a very specific requirement. There's nothing that sort of grinds my bones more than schools going and saying, go out to the market learners and go and buy whatever device you can afford because they're coming back and they're buying rugby boots to go and play hockey in. And it's not fit for purpose or hockey boots to play rugby in. And then they wonder why they are behind everybody else who has Mm. fit for purpose devices and as we move up in the education sector it becomes more and more important that we embrace it schools listen k-12 k-12 there are structures in place because it's Mm. mandatory for children under the age of 16 i think it is to attend some sort of school it's part and parcel of the university but as we move into the vocational and higher learning you know the the south african universities have a pass rate of 15 percent of students who enter and exit, 15%. Why? It's not because the education or the learning is there. It's because the access to the material in an environment that allows them to learn effectively is more often than not not available. Uh, you know, we drop the kids, the, the learners are dropping out in the second year because one, they can't afford and they can't afford to, they've got to go and get a job, et cetera, et cetera. But mobile learning through digital applications through the right environment will increase and enhance our pass rate and bring that up. In America, they're talking 86, 87% in terms of the pass rate. You want to know one of our gaps. It's not the fact that it's, it's not about free education. I don't believe it's about giving free education to the, in the right format to the right learners so that they can learn anywhere. And if it takes six years to get through it because they have to do it on the site, so be it. What is the most important lesson that you've learned over the last three years when taking Chrome and this technology set to market outside of education into our formal sector? What is what is the biggest learning been for you? How hard it is. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And why is that? 
because I think like everything in life, change becomes difficult. And I think that this is, again, you know, sort of bringing it back a little bit to leadership, you know, in terms of thought leadership and leadership as to what we should be doing. There are organizations that are out there that have embraced the Google environment, but they still mm. operate on competing devices mm. and they're losing a lot of the impact in and around it. Why do they do that? Because everybody has grown up with the old system. But I don't think that that's indicative of Google's fault or Microsoft's strength per se. I think it's just an indication of how scared we are in terms of the technology adoption and what's going on. Mm-hmm. And everybody's got an opinion of what should be and what shouldn't be. And we see that it's very, very difficult for us to go to an organization and say, listen, guys, switch to a Google solution mm-hmm. or, you know, take this. And, 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 and I tell you what, you, you know, take your, 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 you know, let's bring it back to Microsoft as well. You know, take your, your, your 15.6 inch device that you're giving all your staff members and switch it to a device that's thinner, lighter, giving you better accessibility to the internet, better experience, better presence in the market, etc. And it becomes a case of, yeah, we don't really need it mm. until there's a data breach because the technology doesn't support the security that's required or until the computers and the, you know, is being damaged because it's, it's heavy to carry around. Mm is the security baked into the solution that you're putting forward then? Are you saying that you're offering a seamless kind of security environment in there as well? Yeah, so with Google, the way that the Google system works is, is that it's frontline, it's, it's, it's user-based security first. Okay. So in terms of the application of your user-based security first, and then from there, the multiple levels of security that happen behind the scenes before it even gets to the data center are managed centrally by Google, and you're not relying on independent on-site IT managers to deal with okay. the security issues. So we're getting access to a global SOC security operation center that's going to be looking after it. So we're layering security right from the beginning. That's actually a really nice feature. That must save time when it comes to IT teams just rolling out product. How long does it take for someone to switch, in your opinion? Once the devices are physically available and the, the reverse, you know, the engineering in terms of shifting over to a Google enterprise solution is in place, it literally takes minutes because Google's got this thing called zero touch enrollment. And what we do is, is that the enterprise comes from a, at, at factory level, or, you know, the, the device comes with the software already preloaded. And that allows the IT manager to be able to lift and access the administration board, basically, mm. and manage every single device within the fleet at a click of a button. So mm. what you've got is is that if you've got an issue, the IT manager is able to access the administration board and by user decide what that user requires to perform the function that they've got. And the technology that involves this is that you have an IT manager who can now manage thousands of devices from a single dashboard So this is where it does become a little bit controversial because a lot of IT managers and IT departments look at this as a threat to the jobs Mm. because I need one person to fulfill the function of what 15, 16 were doing in the past. And that's where the total cost of ownership from Google sort of Mm. really brings things down is that I don't need these massive human resource infrastructures to manage it. Glenn, if we had to talk around migrating our company, a small to medium-sized company, What's our time from order to having a hardware in the hands of our people? What is your turnaround time? So Chrome is a lot more readily available right now than some of the other competing devices simply because of the different technology that goes in and the requirements from a, a semiconductor point of view. It doesn't use some of the older traditional semiconductors. 
but that's a buy the buy. So essentially, on a Chrome basis within Acer, you can go live within 60 days. Wow. Okay. If you were sitting next to an industry expert, what would you be asking them from a perspective of where's the next step? Where is Chrome going to and where is Google going to for the next steps? The integration of augmented reality, I think, would be one of the key areas. Because in a mobile environment, one of the areas which is very, very difficult to, uh, you know, we can get chips down to nanobots and tiny little things. But when it comes to a screen, how do I make a screen bigger without making it bigger? And the technology behind that is going to probably come through augmented reality and the ability to have wearable technologies integrated into the working environment. And I think that what we want to see is, is how long is that going to take? Because, I mean, if you can imagine that, you know, if you, if you have a look at your physical PC that you're staring at, yeah. choose a brand, choose a technology, what is the physically biggest component on that? It's the screen. And that, I think, is, is the key to understanding why. I mean, one of the other observations that we had during COVID was the resurgence of the PC. So prior to COVID, we sort of started seeing mobile becoming the device of choice. We would sit in conversations and everybody would pick up their mobile phone and say, oh, this is all I need to be able to get it until you don't have a PC and you don't have access and you can, you know, all of a sudden the PC becomes more relevant. So you're needing that sort of hybrid. Is it a two-in-one device? Well, we've tried that and it worked well, but the application, maybe it was too soon. Mm. Maybe it was, Mm. you know, the two-in-one devices, the detachable devices, the convertible devices. You know, maybe the adoption of those devices was a little bit, you know, the technology was introduced a little bit earlier. But behind that comes a whole lot of other questions is, is how quickly can we come up with a technology that increases battery life beyond 24 hours? And what is the technology around that? And that's where we're sort of focusing on as an organization globally. A lot of our R&D is spent in how do we get better connectivity in the thinnest possible format? How do we get the longest lifespan out of a battery? And the technology, the proprietary technology that goes into cooling, goes into connectivity and wireless integrations, aerials. That's why you're paying more for your thin and light brands and everything. It's not because it looks sexier and we can no. charge a premium. It's about the technology that goes into it. What is your battery life at the moment? Well, it varies, but you, you're looking at anything from 16 hours to 24 hours. No, what? seriously. No, well, I mean, it does. because if you hours. Have a look at, yeah, 100%. So if you look at some of There's our more consumer-based and prosumer just, devices. Just a, just a pause there. The device I'm on that... I, has got an hour and 21 left, and that's 55%. 16 hours will change my life, dude. That will change yeah, my 100%. life. Yeah, 100%. That is, a, oh, I've got envy. I've got hardware envy. Your hardware is bigger than mine. I guess you get that a lot. Um, if, uh, <laughs> Glenn, if you had to write a book about your time at Acer, what would the title be and what would it be about? Leading Through Change. Yeah, you know, the other day I Googled what is a technologist and I came to the realization that I'm not a technologist because, a <laughs> because sad, there's, eh? there's so much that there yeah, is. But what I've come to the realization, uh, you know, what I've learned over my time at ASA, and if I go back into my years of experience, in fact, it's, you know, the, uh, another thing I was reading about is it's, it's years of regret because regret leads to experience. You know, you don't learn from your mistakes unless you regret making them. But, you know, my transition into ASA starting from, you know, the bottom again and resetting my career. When I started out at ASA, I didn't even know what RAM was. And I'm not kidding with you. I just Mm. got a PC with my previous companies and we just used it. Mm. But that brought a sense of 
humanizing the doctrine in the best way to sort of put it, which was when you come into an IT sector, if you've ever sat in a meeting with IT people, you know, it's it's like they're talking a different language, the acronyms and all of that sort of comes in. And I think that that the ability to humanize our product within the ACE of business is really what has has brought everything to the fore. And what we've done is, particularly over the last 18 months, because of, you know, because of the times that we were in, was how do we bring the humanity back into our devices? Our global company is headed very, very heavily towards user base and how do we look after the end user, the, the constellation of technology approach towards a lot of things that we're doing. But we found ourselves in the rut of running and chasing numbers. And unfortunately, when you chase numbers, you end up chasing what's best for the number, not what's best for the market. Mm. And what we've tried to do over the last while was segment our market very, very carefully, understand who the user is, whether the user is buying from a game store or an incredible connection store or a computer mania, macro, wherever they're buying from. Are they buying as a reseller? And is the application for small business? Is it for this? And, And how do we bring out Ace's strengths in terms of device and device design? into those various users and how do we talk about the, the areas of the businesses that we, we like to focus on and what we want to do and then take those strengths and start seeing how we can bring them to market mm. and leadership through that change has been significant because the characteristics of the staff and the team you know when we, we sort of entered the last sort of two three years ago when we started this process of, of really just looking at who is Acer was very very much around give me the order, how do I get this in? Mm. To sit back and go, hang on a second, guys, this device that I'm selling you, it is a device that is fit. Yes, it's a little bit more expensive. Yes, it's got this. Yes, it's got that. But it is what it is in terms of what we're giving you. And this is why it is the device that you should be choosing. Mm. And that change in the way that we've approached it has brought about a new uh, a view from us in terms of the and what it's done is, is it's opened up creativity to a level that we haven't seen before. And the things that we are doing in education, because mm-hmm. we stopped looking at how do we sell, you know, X amount of thousand devices mm-hmm. and said, how do we sell the right device to the right learner? Has our turnover taken strength for the last while? Yes, I think everybody's has, but mm-hmm. has it taken disproportionate? Yes, because the choosing of the business is a hard decision to make, but you're buying mm-hmm. the future. You see, when you, when you operate and, and we, we become quite, uh, uh, maybe a little bit Pollyanna-ish and we come and have these sort of conversations and talking to the teams about stopping, about thinking about the now, the finite, what is happening now? Because the finite is dictated by the past, but the infinite is dictated by the creativity for the future. And we've got to get the guys to sort of come and, and understand what all of that means. So we started off on the journey and said, what's the opposite of black? And if I asked you the question, what's the opposite of black? You know, you know answer me, Daniel, what's the opposite of black? What? What's the opposite of black and white? I have no idea. Well, it's not gray. Yeah. It's color. Yeah. yeah. There's a yeah. spectrum of color between the two. So there's never only two answers. There's a whole spectrum of opportunities. And when there's no fear to go and find those opportunities, you're changing. And it's a very different mindset because, you know, it's presented us with a couple of, we, we've hit a, a lot of heads with our partners in the industry because it means that if we don't believe that it is right, not for us, but for the end user, yeah. you know, it means we've got to turn around and say, we're not going to do that. Yeah. It's not good for what yeah. we're trying to do. We're trying to, this is where we're going. And that journey is taking its shape now and we're starting to see it out. And we're receiving calls now from specialist organization, engineering companies that say, hey, 
We've heard about Chrome. We've heard about Enduro. We've heard about Travel Mate in terms of mm. the, the military spec and functionality and the 22-hour battery life on a business computer. How do we get in on that action? And the number of phone calls, and that's, that's where it's going. Schools, schools are calling us. Uh, you know, it's been, it's been so fortuitous, and I'd love to take credit for this, but it, it isn't. It's, it's, it's just, you know, the, the genius isn't a, a, an ongoing thing. Every now and then the genius monster comes and taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, I've got your back for this one. And, and we've had one of those, but the education, the take up within the education sector to say, hey, we can no longer introduce cheap and nasty devices just to have a device in front of a learner. We now need the right device is the message that we've been preaching for generations, three, four, four, four generations of education needs is we need a device that is actually going to do the job correctly. You know, there's a reason why when we started school many years ago, the first thing that was on your list of stationery was an HB pencil. Because mm. it didn't break as much as a 2B pencil. Mm. It was ragged, et cetera. Mm. And the same concept applies now. What is the right device for the right application? And that goes across. Oh, and we see businesses understand that. That was the boom moment. That was the drop the mic. So my Seattle Coffee, sponsored by Seattle Coffee, this morning is running out. <laughs> Our time is running out. It's nearly time to stoke the bri. Glenn, what is the most exciting thing coming out of ASA in the next six months from your perspective? Actually, from the Chrome, from Google, from anything there, what are you anticipating? 5G. Okay. So we're seeing that. And, and this, again, from an ACE point of view is significant because, you know, we have generally been, we always follow what the European markets and the American markets, and they really haven't had a big call for embedded LTE mm-hmm for the most, the masses and everything. So very little technology has gone into a device with embedded. But when it comes to 5G, we're starting to see a lot of 5G offerings coming out. And with 5G, it requires different boards. It requires different that. So it's going to be across all of our platforms, from Google all the way to Microsoft, 5G. And 5G for consumers, 5G for business, 5G for designers, 5G for gamers. You know, PCs, predator gaming devices that have embedded 5G and all of that. I'm not sure how big that's going to be in South Africa at this point in time because we're more fixed line when it comes to gaming. But the point is, is, is that the journey of mobility is starting to now, the wheels are turning in terms of that devices are being designed more and more for, for mobility. So 5G for us, I think, is going to be the biggest thing that comes out across multiple platforms and multiple operating systems. As your team is coming to the end of the calendar year, What's your focus as Glenn and what are you driving from a team perspective for the next three months? So this is going to be the most anti-COVID thing that anybody could say. Um, <laughs> but my message, yeah, but my message to the team over the last uh, sort of coming out of this third wave and everything was, guys, I'm going to tell you something that don't tell the people in the COVID. I want you to get tactile. I need you to get tactile. And what tactile means to us is not about physically touching people, obviously, because that's taboo now, you know, you don't do that. But get close to people again. Let's bring the humanity back. Let's bring the relationships back. Let's get closer to the way we treat each other. Let's get closer to the way that we're dealing with everybody. Because unless we can go back to understanding and getting that grounding that we are here as a user-based company, ACE exists to provide user engagement at the edge of the cloud and at the edge of technology. That's where we're a device business. But to do that, you need to get tactile with your users and your people and people in around you. Get close to the business again, because as much as everybody else has drifted apart, we've drifted apart from our users. 
Let's get back and get tactile. My last question for you. What advice do you have for leaders of business out there that may be going through and considering changes to this hardware environment? Know what you want from your device. I I use the example of going for a run. And that's exactly it. We don't go running in boots, you know, in hiking boots. We know that we require a pair of sneakers or tackies that are light. We know that we require them to have a lot of air. We know that we require them to have a gel base. We know that when it comes to PCs and when it comes to the IT sector, it is as important that we get to the bones as to what it is that we as individual users and each individual user within your organization require. You don't need to give your designers and developers a gaming device to do programming on. There are devices that are designed for developers that will give them the experience. It's not about the price. It's not about saying that I've got it. It means that they will execute their job better. So give them what's best. Frontline workers don't need heavy devices. They need something that's light, something that's easy to connect. So understand what each of every one of your applications within your organizations and any IT manager that is coming and saying to you, we need to go to this device across our organization should be put on a warning because they haven't understood that every single individual within the organization requires something different. Mm. So expand it and have a look and see where it is, whether it's a Chrome application, whether it's Microsoft, investigate opportunities like Chrome because where Google is taking this world of the artificial intelligence with the security that comes with it, it's going to increase efficiencies. It's going to allow your customer, your staff and your customers a better experience. And that is going to increase engagement and it's going to increase your ability to actually execute what you're there to do. Whether you're selling nuts and bolts, trucks, doesn't matter what you're doing. Efficiencies are going to what's going, it's going to drive your business more than anything else. So yeah, that would really be get to the bottom of what your staff what your internal customers are looking for in terms of that and deliver, deliver, deliver. You're not selling direct, you're selling through partners. Is that correct? How do people get hold of you or do we just go to the outlets and look for an ASA partner? Contact us directly. So you can go to asa.co.za. You can call us through our lines and make contact directly with ASA and let the ASA team sit down with you and advise you as to where you go to in terms of what device you require for your application. Mm. If that converts into an ASA sale, that's fantastic. Mm. But understand that what we're here to do is we are to look after the end user's needs. And mm. if in that process we sell the ASA devices, then we've succeeded. Awesome. Glenn Dutoy, that has been like sipping from a fire hydrant. You are just effervescent with your enthusiasm for your organization and for changing technology. I have thoroughly enjoyed this. So much so I didn't even notice my coffee was finished. Thank you, Glenn. And thank you for just sharing some really interesting insights. I wish you the best for the rest of this year as we are getting to the end of it. I hope it's a busy time for you and the team. From myself, Daniel Robus, from the Tech Central podcast, I hope you've all enjoyed it. And I'm going to say to Glenn, au revoir. Thanks, Daniel. Cheers. All the best and stay safe.